Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. From the Battery Street Studios of KCBS Radio in San Francisco, I'm Matt Pittman, and this is Bay Current for Wednesday, October 13th. In another year of record-setting wildfires, combined with the worst drought California has seen in more than a century, the fight is on to save one of our state's oldest, awe-inspiring natural treasures, the giant sequoia. Since a huge lightning storm ignited the KNP complex fire on September 9th, as well as the nearby Windy Fire that just raged through much of Sequoia National Forest, more than 184 acres have been scorched, including at least 26 groves of giant sequoias, many of which have been around for more than a thousand years, some of the largest trees on the planet. And to the north, the Redwood Mountains and Castle Creek groves in Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks, several groves have burned, at least partially, or are at risk due to high severity fires. So what's being done, both immediately and long term, to save the giant sequoia? I spoke about that with Tim Borden, Sequoia Restoration and Stewardship Manager with Save the Redwoods League. And when I caught up with Tim, he was on the ground, getting a first-hand look at the devastation. Tim, first tell me where you are and what you're seeing. Well, I am in Porterville, California at the moment, and I am on my way into Giant Sequoia National Monument, which is managed by the U.S. Forest Service and Sequoia National Forest. And I am on my way to get my first hands-on glimpse of the damage that was done by the Windy Fire in Giant Sequoia Groves. For someone who has the name Sequoia in your job title, Tim, you've dedicated your life, your career to these majestic trees and helping us understand more about their history and their future and their place in our ecosystem. What does it feel like on a day like today when you're going out to approach what could be uh, more significant damage to this population of trees that date back thousands of years. What's that feel like personally? Uh, you know, you're prepared for the worst. There's a, there's a, a little, there's an element of climate grief that goes to this work, uh, to being involved with forestry work in, in the Sierra right now. And, and, uh, and that's lingering over my trip today and lingering over a lot of the thoughts that I've had about this giant sequoia range uh, in the last couple of weeks as the Windy Fire and the KMP Complex Fire have both been burning through giant sequoia groves. Um, 
yeah, I mean, it's been a it's been a terrible fire season across the Sierra, but especially in the giant sequoia range. Um, you know, giant sequoias are a tree that we didn't realize or, or that we didn't think was uh, susceptible to catastrophic wildfire up until just a couple of years ago. And last year in the Castle Fire, which also burned here in Giant Sequoia National Monument, we lost uh, between 10 and 14% of the old growth giant sequoia that we have on the planet in one fire. And my fear, as we learn about what has happened with both the Windy Fire and the KMP complex, is that we're going to see uh, we're going to see similar numbers. Why were giant sequoias previously believed to be impervious to f- fire damage? Well, giant sequoia uh, require fire in order to reproduce. Um, they like fire. They thrive with fire, but they thrive with low-intensity fire. So let's, let's think of fire that burns at the ground level, uh, that doesn't get up into the treetops, that you know, the, the flames are burning at you know, maybe two, three, maybe four feet tall. Um, and that's about it. It kind of clears the landscape around these trees uh, so that it, it lets their seedlings be able to get established into the bare soil that's left behind. And they do really well. But the kind of fires that we've been seeing in the Sierra, uh, especially in the giant sequoia range since 2015, are fires that are burning way hotter and way more severe. So they're much, they're, they're high severity fires is what we consider them as. And these fires are, are moving faster, they're burning hotter, their flame lengths are not a couple feet, their flame lengths are in some cases up to 100 feet long. Um, and it's these fires that the trees aren't adapted to survive and aren't adapted to do well in. And uh, so far where this high severity fire has burned in giant sequoia range, you know, we have not, we have seen a lot of mortality of these old growth giant sequoias. And again, old growth, we're talking about trees that are you know, a thousand, two thousand, even three thousand years old in some cases. Uh, they have survived fire previously, but it's these events now that they can't survive. So, is the increased threat the difference? Is it human caused climate change? What is different? What are the factors that are putting giant sequoias at risk in these fires as opposed to fires of years before? The Windy Fire and the KMP complex were both started by natural ignition lightning strikes. Um, which is how most fires in the range always burn. It's uh, you know the, the problem with why fires are so bad in the range is a combination of two things. It's a combination of poor forest management decisions that have been made uh, over the last hundred plus years in our forests, where we chose to suppress fires because we didn't understand for a really long time the role that fire had in these ecosystems. And so by doing that, it led to a buildup of what we call fuel, which is just basically any dead and down material that you have in the forest. Our forests are more densely stocked today than they were a hundred years ago. So all of that has led to this, uh, to more, more material that is available to burn in these fires. So there's that. And then we throw on top of that, the climate emergency that we've got going on with our forests, where we do have drier conditions than we've ever seen before. You know, we've got these long-term droughts that have uh, further weakened these trees and made them susceptible to fire and has killed quite a a considerable amount of trees in the forest. Um, And so it's kind of like a perfect storm. All right. So there was this picture that went around, kind of went viral online of firefighters who had wrapped the General Sherman Redwood, the, the largest tree 
in the world here in California. They'd wrapped it with this foil, and I don't know the technology. I'll leave that to you to explain. Is that what fighting fires and protecting these trees, be it the redwoods, the sequoias, is that what it's going to look like from year to year? Is it effective? I, I mean, I, I, I think that foil picture that you're referring to is when I first saw that, I just had to laugh, you know, and I've done firework before, you know, I, I worked for the Forest Service and the Park Service. And, um, and I've done that. I've wrapped buildings in that material before. But when I saw that picture of General Sherman wrapped in foil, I laughed because that's what it's come to, right? That's, that's what our society has come to, to protect these trees is by wrapping them in tinfoil. Um, when there's all these other solutions that are far more effective, but they just take a lot more political will and social will to be able to, to accomplish. But they are the solutions that we really need to implement if we want to care about these trees you know, and have them around for another 3,000 years. I mean, are there man-made interventions that will be helpful? Because it looks like, you know, wildfires, sadly, are part of our story every year now. I don't know about man-made interventions, um, but I do know that we are absolutely rethinking, you know, protocol for fighting fire and, uh, and what that means. Like right now, what's occurring in the giant sequoia range in the wake of these fires uh, we have giant sequoias that are still on fire that still have tree or still have fire up in their treetops. And normally under, under normal U S forest service state protocols, if you have a fire in a tree and you're doing what's called mop up. So it's at the very end of the fire process, you would cut down that tree. And obviously, uh, you know, we don't want to have to cut down trees that we don't have to cut down. And so what's going on right now in Giant Sequoia is these trees that normally would have been cut down under that protocol uh, were trying to attack uh, with water from different methods, uh, whether that's bucket drops or installing sprinkler systems in the treetops themselves so that we can cool these trees down, extinguish the fire without having to cut these trees down. Uh, and so that's where we're at right now. We're trying to, to rethink some of our protocol on what we can do on the ground in the moment to be able to save these trees. And sure, there's some promising things about it, but ultimately what we really need to do if we want to care about these groves and protect these trees is we need to think long-term about them. We need to be able to get more prescribed fire on the ground. We need to be able to do more forest restoration work in these groves. I've included a link to the Save the Redwoods League website in the description of this podcast. And thanks again to Tim Borden. And thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Bay Currents on the Odyssey app or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And thanks for listening. I'm Matt Pittman. We will chat with you tomorrow. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.